used to be really fearful about like, what if I lost this job in construction? What if something goes bad? And the cool thing about once you unlock some of these tools and you realize you know how to make money, you know how to generate value, a lot of that fear goes away. I mean, you see guys all the time, they, they make a million dollars, they go bust, they, they make a million dollars back because they know how to do it. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, hello, hello. Once again to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And guys, I am so thankful and so blessed that right now we're coming into the beginning of the year. And if you're listening to this episode, it may be 2023. So hopefully you have everything prepped and ready to roll into this new year, ready and on fire to acquire more properties. So today, today we have Jennings Smith, who hails from Charleston, South Carolina. And I wanted to talk to Jennings because he is doing some things with multifamilies. So he has a multifamily course, multifamily, large Facebook group. But I wanted to come from the perspective of, you know, kind of how we got started and how he scaled because everybody has to have a starting point and we want you to focus on the starting point and not so much the ending point because we don't want you to get discouraged. It's easy to become discouraged and say, well, Jennings have, you know, 1700 units and I don't have any, how can I get started? So he's going to break down kind of how he got started and how he scaled. So without any further delay, Jennings, how are you doing today? What's up, Marcus? Thank you so much for having me on your show, dude. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you, man. Thank you. Likewise, man. I really appreciate you coming on. So, man, just kind of starting from the beginning, what did you do prior to real estate? Yeah. I, and dude, you, your intro, you hit it right on the head is I see so many people, they get paralyzed with, you know, I want to close a 200 unit building or how can I ever get this going? And they never get it going. And that first deal is so critical because I 90 to 95% of people never close that first deal, but once they close that, and I think it's so important to focus on that first deal because I mean, 90 to 95% of people never close that first deal. And if you do, you're going to generate that momentum to close the next deal and, and you will be able to build on that. So how I started was, I mean, I was 19. I got my builder's license. I was working in the summer in rental houses and spec homes and just did that for about 15 years. And my my father had a couple rental homes and he said, look, this is it's good that you got a, a job, but you need to build wealth long-term and rental homes is a good way to do that. And so uh, I, I went through the recession of 2007, you know, eight, nine, mm-hmm. and my construction company really went in the, the tank. I mean, as most people's did that was in construction yep. and, but it really woke me up. It was like, I've got to be ready because this is going to happen again. And lo yep. and behold, you know, we're kind of seeing 
who Same knows what's going to happen, but it yep. isn't good, you know? <laughs> so, so I decided to really focus on getting my first property. And my first property was a double wide trailer in a mobile home park. I, I didn't own the park, but I owned the trailer. I bought it for $5,000. It had been abandoned, you know, no heat, no central heat and air, no flooring, you know, oh, wow. needed, needed a lot of work, but I'm a contractor. So I'm like, okay, I can get in there, do this stuff cheap. I bought all the material. I did all the work myself and, and, so for about $5,000, I got it up to par and I, I moved somebody in and this guy, I mean, he didn't have a job. He had a good story. <laughs> he was like, you know, on some sort of grant going to school and what, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he wants to rent it. So great. Move him in. <laughs> Let's you know? do it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a new landlord. And so you can imagine immediately he pretty much stopped paying me. And he had a couple of dogs that I didn't know about. And I mean, this place just got destroyed all over again. And so I think three or four months later, I finally got him out and I almost quit right then walking through that property. Cause I mean, it was beautiful when he moved in and it was Mm -hmm. just wrecked. And, but I got my tool belt back on and I fixed it up again. And I said, all right, I'm not gonna be a landlord. I just sold it like at, you know, and I think I broke Mm -hmm. even on it, but I bought another one. And it had a renter already in it who had been in there for six months and she'd been paying. And so for $7,000, she's paying $700 a month. That's a pretty good multiple. Wow. That's a good, yeah. (laughs) No, I had to pay, I had to pay the trailer park lot rent out of that, but still, you know, I was making a few hundred bucks a month and, and that one worked. And so then I bought another one and I bought another one. And and a couple of years down the road, I had maybe five trailers. And then I bought some rental homes. Like I put 20,000 down, bought a single family rental home and mm-hmm. I scraped up another 20,000. It took me another year or two to save up that. And I bought another one. So now I got seven properties and I'm, I'm getting there, but I, I'd written down, I wanted to have a thousand doors, a thousand rental homes. And okay. I'm seeing I did the math on that, right? And so now I've got some experience. I got some grit. I know what I know what it takes to close these deals, but I'm not really executing the plan. And I took my plan to a banker. He's like, dude, you're not going to buy a thousand rental homes. That's going to be so hard to, to scale. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, then you need to go commercial or multifamily or, or retail or something other than than trailers. And okay. uh, and so, and because it was really hard to find those deals. I mean, that's really the the biggest challenge I think of this stuff is like finding the trailer that fits the model, finding the single family home yep. that fits the model, especially in your local market. I was only buying into the Charleston area. And so I decided to look at apartments because I'm thinking everybody needs a place to live. And I already kind of understand the residential game. And so mm-hmm. I bought an online course for a thousand dollars. And wait, before Jenny's, before we go mm-hmm. into apartments, okay, let's okay. let's kind of unpack some of the things that you talked about getting started. So you were a contractor. Everything was great. You know, 2003, four or five. Yeah. I was making six, six figures right out of school and doing fine. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then 2007 started coming around. Things started slowing down in 2008 and the bottom fell out. Right. But here's how, here's how bad it was. I, I, my company lost $50,000. I got employees. I can't pay. I had bought a house that I was in the middle of renovating for my personal house. I'm living in a rental home. So now I got two, like a rental home payment and a mortgage payment. I'm going over budget on that. And I owe the IRS 15 grand from the year before. I owe credit card debt from when the times were good. 
And I'm working all day and I'm going door to door trying to install those little security peep sites in people's doors, like trying to install five or six of those because I could make an extra hundred bucks a day. Like I, (laughs) that's how bad it was. Like I had to make an extra hundred dollars cash to just keep the lights on, which was super humbling because I had been, you know, building custom homes, Mm -hmm. making six figures, doing great and thinking, man, it's only going up from here, man. I'm 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 on top of it, but you know, God humbled me in that period, but it, it, it sort of got me ready for what was to come. Cause, cause a lot of people, and the reason why I ask you that is because a lot of people, they don't know how to handle that adversity. You know, like you said, you yeah. could have gave up and said, all right, this is not for me. I'm going to sit on the sidelines, go and get a job, wait till the market kind of rebound and then go back to construction. But you said there was something else that I have to do. And then that's when you said, you know what? I need to wake up, listen to my father and start getting some passive income. Why did you decide on a trailer? Was it just because of that price point was was low and it was an easy barrier to entry? I, I think that we do what we what our brains will let us do, right? Our our level of belief, our level of mindset. Very true. Very you true. know, there's that saying, think outside the box, but you how can you think outside the box? I mean, the box is what you know. And mm-hmm. like until somebody thinks outside the box for you and you believe, you know, you borrow their belief. You really can't think outside the box. So yes, at the time it was like, all right, I can scrape together $5,000. I can fix this thing up. It was within the realm of grasp. And I think it's a, I think it's important to do something that is, is believable. Cause if you don't believe you can do it, you're never going to be able to yep, do it. And some people yep. can believe bigger than others, but at the time where I was in my life, that's what I could do. But I was wise enough to see because a lot of people get comfortable there and then they just stick there. And I don't think that model is the best for long-term wealth. Like if you want to build long-term, then get into buying trailer parks, you know, buy the whole park. If you want to get into single family homes, then, you know, get get a portfolio of single family homes or get into some multifamily or self-storage or whatever, like move beyond. It's, it's a great place to start and build that, like the nuts and bolts of how to do it. But you know, I think that there are also bigger, you know, there's bigger opportunities out there. And you're absolutely right, Jennings. You have to be able to see a lot further. And sometimes people cannot see down the road or it becomes too much to see and they don't know, okay, how can I grasp this? You know, and it's too much to try and do. So man, kudos to you for sticking with it, getting in there, even when you had the the terrible tenant. And, you know, saying, all right, I'm going to sell this, but I'm going to jump right back in and try it again. What made you do that? What made you not say, all right, this don't work. I'm going to give up and just do something else. I mean, you said it. If you're going to do anything that's big or worth doing, I mean, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be things that don't go well. You know, some of my first apartment deals, same thing, massive issues, massive problems, that you're going to have to overcome. And if you hit that wall and and stop, then, I mean, you're going to be like, I hate to say it, but there's a reason why, you know, the top 5% are there. And the only reason is they just did it longer. They just didn't stop. They just kept on going, you know, where, Hey, I want to close the deal. I want to raise the money and it falls apart. You don't raise the money or the contract falls apart or the deal wasn't as good as you thought. And so, most people just say, well, that didn't work and they yep. stop, you know? And so for me, 
It was getting around people that had successfully done it and understanding this guy is no smarter than me. He, he works hard, but so do I. And he just has done it longer than I have. And he didn't give up. And I think getting around people and listening to these stories, listening to these podcasts is so critical because it breaks it down to a real level where it's like, they're not a superhuman being. They just tried it and they stuck with it until they made it happen. And I mean, in my coaching program, I have people that sometimes they a deal breaks for them in two, three, four months. They get something under contract. It's awesome. Some people it takes them a year, but mm-hmm. they don't. But they don't give up. And the and the ones that stick with it always close deals. So that's the key. It's just like this business is not rocket science. It is not like no. you have to be a genius. You just have to do it. You just have to do the work. There you go. There you go. So now you had these trailer homes and you had these single family homes. You had seven of them. You went to the banker. And he said, you know what? What you're doing is not scalable. What did you do immediately after that? Really, I wish I could say that I just turned my focus but immediately, but I didn't. I bought a course and I studied it for two years, you know, because I'm still working as a full-time contractor. I'm I'm got these rentals I'm running. I've got kids, I got a wife, and we're all busy. And I also didn't have, I mean, buying an online course, and that's different than having a mentor or having somebody right. that will hold your hand through it. But I'm stubborn. You know, I didn't think I needed that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and so I'm learning this stuff and it all makes sense, And but I'm not closing deals because I just, I don't have the confidence to, to raise the money and to get the loan and et cetera, et cetera. And so it just took me a really long time. But finally, after about two years of looking, I came across a deal in North Carolina, which was about five hours from me. And it was a 12 unit for $250,000. So pretty cheap. And once again, it was sort of in the realm of like, maybe I could, maybe I could close that deal. And so I reach out to them. I get the information and this property is losing money. You know, they've got very low rents, high water and utility bills. The manager is not managed. I mean, they're paying like 20% in management fees when you added it all up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And losing money. And so the, the older gentleman owns it. He owns a big portfolio. And I think they just really didn't care about this property. It wasn't making money. It was small. It was $250,000 property, whatever. And I'm thinking this place is going to be trashed, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you're talking, what is that? $20,000 a unit. Yeah. A door. And, <laughs> right. So I go up to North Carolina. I walk the property and it's actually in good shape. I mean, like it needed a new roof, but it really, other than that, it was, it was full and decent tenant base and older people, you know, quiet. Uh-huh. And so I go to the gentleman and I say, sir, I want to buy the property. I like it, but I'm not going to be able to get a, a bank to loan on this because it doesn't make any money. There's no net operating income. It's cash flowing negative. Right. And will you be my bank? It's not, you know, it's not that I'm not, I could get the loan, which I, I really probably couldn't have gotten the loan, but I put it back on him. Like say, your property is not loan worthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the property. Right. Right. And so he said, all right, well, if you put down 30%, then I'll loan you the rest for five years at, I think four, 4%. This was a couple of years ago. It's 2019. Okay. And I said, all right, done. Absolutely. So now I've got my lending piece done. I'm approved, right? Cause the seller's going to do that for me. 
but I still need the down payment, which is going to be like 75 grand, 75 plus, grand. Yep. plus closing, plus closing fees. And, yeah. and so I need about $95,000 is what I figured out. And uh, so I put together my little pitch deck that I had learned from my course. And I go to a couple people and they're like, you know, you don't have any experience. I mean, yeah, you have, mm-hmm. I, I have some rental homes. So that was helping me, but I finally hit on a guy and he said, all right, I'm interested. And he took the meeting with me and I, I proposed a, a 40% split to him, 60% to me. Okay. And you know, we love equity. I love equity yeah. too, but <laughs> the investor, he he kind of pushed back. And he said, well, why do you get 60%? I get 40%. And I challenged him on that because I said, this is a phenomenal deal, right? It's in great shape. I've got a plan to turn it around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what, there's money everywhere and deals are hard to come by. So if you don't want to do the deal, then I'll find somebody that that yep. does. Yep. And he said, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. I'll do the deal. I just wanted to, he just wanted to push back on me a little bit. So he yeah, does he wanted the, to try and try and negotiate as any yeah. savvy investor would do. Exactly. And, but it was a phenomenal deal. And so he did the deal and we, we bought the property, we closed the deal and which was super exciting. And now I'm like, on it. You know, I hire the new property manager. I uncover that we can get rid of the dumpster because we're paying city taxes for the trash can. So there's lowering my cost there. Okay. I, I implemented a water bill back um, and I raised rents about 20 bucks. But between all that, you know, now the within three or four months, this thing's profitable. And so every quarter we're generating a few thousand dollars in profit and I can distribute that 60% to me, 40% to the yep. investor. And I'm making money. And 18 months later, I decide to sell it because I've, I've been buying a lot of bigger stuff mm-hmm. now that doesn't really fit the portfolio. And we ended up closing the deal for a $410,000. We wow. sold 18 months later. And so the investor made, you know, he got his $95,000 back and he got a great return. Obviously, I made a great return on that. There's, you know, $150,000 mm-hmm. roughly in profit. So, Whatever the 60-40 so, split on that is, it's, it's good. <laughs> so Jenny's, let's kind of let's kind of break that, break that down just a little bit. So, first, how did you find a deal? I know it's in North Carolina, you're in South Carolina, South Carolina, where you just, you know, browsing the internet, or did you reach out to brokers and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for? How did you how did you source that deal? So at the time, I didn't know how to find off-market deals, and I didn't really have the confidence, you know, to to cold call owners. And mm-hmm. so, this one was was listed on Crexy or LoopNet or something. It was listed, okay. but I will say it was a little bit of a different time. This was 2018 when I found it. 2019 when we closed it. So deals were a little easier to find Fine, at that yep. point. And so it was it was on market. Okay. But I really found pretty quickly that I wasn't going to find much if I just kept only looking on market. Right, and right. So I would say okay. 70% of my stuff, maybe even 80% of my stuff has been off market. Off market. Had, yeah, had a lot of luck building relationships with brokers. And in the multifamily world, once you build that relationship and they see you can close deals, then they'll bring you deals, deals before they yeah. list them. And yep. that, then they can get both halves of the commission. So it makes sense for them mm-hmm. to try and close it in-house with you. Gotcha. So now on that, how did you do the, first of all, where was your confidence level at 
as far as pitching that, raising that 95K, because that's where a lot of people get stuck at. They say, you know what? I don't want to go and beg people for, for money. And I'm telling them, you know, it's a paradigm shift in the way you're thinking. You need to think that, Hey, I have something that's valuable and you really need to be a part of this. So what was your thinking when you went out to raise money? Exactly that, where if I can't, if you can't in a compelling way, show people what you're doing, then you can't help them. And I mean, cause think about the back end of that Marcus, where I'm giving this guy a check for 90,000 back plus another $60,000 that he made on his money in mm-hmm. 18 months. I mean, he's over the moon, right? Like right. I'm not begging him for anything. He's super glad that he ran into me. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that you have to go through that understanding that money is everywhere. There's a lot of people that have money, but to have a trusted vetted operator with a good deal that knows what they're doing, that has a solid plan and is going to make them a return on their capital that is hard to find. Yep. And so so when you shift that diagram or paradigm in your head, and because I used to f- feel that way for sure about it, and it's all about the the posturing. And there's some really like simple techniques you can use that, that can help you overcome that, where you can get in these conversations instead of like, hey, I got an apartment deal. You want to give me money? You know, that that's not going to work. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're at a party and you know, you ask, well, what do you invest in? You know, what what are you investing in? And they start talking about the stock market and you can start talking about what you invest in. And if there's interest there, then, yep. you know, you, you can open the door or you say, when people ask you what you do for a living, instead of just saying something like, well, you know, I work at the factory and you're not even mentioning that you buy rentals or whatever. I say, well, I pull people together to buy apartments. People can make great returns on apartments, but it's really hard to take those deals down by themselves. So I pull people together so that they can make 15 to 20% returns in multifamily apartments. And they're either going to say, oh, okay, whatever. Or they're mm-hmm. going to say, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more Tell about me that. Tell me more. Yep. Yep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, then, and, and then here's the next clue. This is really important. When you do have somebody that says, tell me more, or that they're interested and you're at the Christmas party, do not back them into the corner and start going on and on about, you know, rental homes or apartments or trailers or whatever you're doing. Just say, well, um, you know, talk a little bit, but say, look, I don't have anything right now. You and me could meet up. Like, let's meet, talk about mm-hmm. this. We could talk about what, a, what it looks like, what kind of returns you can make. And then if I do have something or when I do have something, then you'll be ready to go. And that way you've taken the pressure off. They can enjoy the party. They can now just get to know you as a person, which is the yep. most important thing yep. anyways. Then when you meet in, in person, there's no pressure there because you don't have a live deal that you're trying to sell them on. You're just talking about how you structure things. And then they're getting to now, now they've made the decision. I like Jennings. You know, I like Mark. So I want to work with him. Mm-hmm. Now you come back to them when you do have a live deal and they're ready to make a decision. And that's a much easier, softer sell because you're not even selling. You're just trying to build that relationship to, to help them. Because I'll, I'll tell you, people cannot be sold on investing because you're talking large amounts of money, 50 grand, hundred grand. Like they're not going to give you that money if they're not confident that you're going to deliver. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's great because you debunked, you know, quite a few things there, you know, as far as the raising capital, you know, switching that paradigm, that mind shift and saying, Hey, what? 
I don't have anything at the moment, but this is exactly what I do. And if you're interested, you know what, let's, let's chat over lunch or something like that. Now being that this was your first multifamily deal. Okay. And you're being the operator and you're five hours away from the property. How did the logistics work on you turning that property around? What did you do? I know the first thing that you said was you got a new property manager in place. How did you find that property manager? I know I'm throwing a lot at you, Jennings. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. And it's great because if you want to buy remotely, which I would consider five hours away, pretty much remotely. Cause I mean, we have mm-hmm. properties as far as Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, and Alabama, Illinois, Indiana, and I'm, I'm in South Carolina. And if you want to do that successfully, you have to have the right property manager. And so finding and vetting that person is critical. So what I did was I asked my broker that I was buying from for a couple of recommendations. Mm-hmm. I called, you know, I looked around in Google, see what I could see there. I went to the city hall and asked around for them for some recommendations. And I got, um, I think three people. Okay. So one guy, he had a, a small portfolio. Another lady was a realtor and a property manager. And I think the third person never showed up. So they gotcha. were out. Okay. And, yep. And the guy was, you know, he was talked to big game, super excited, walked the property, but just a property manager, I found you don't want to get someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear. It's really mm-hmm. easy for a property manager to tell you what you want to hear. They want to give you good news and you want to hear good news. And so you can get in this feedback loop of, of pretty much lying to each other and reinforcing yep, it. And, yep. and and so the the lady who I did end up going with, you know, she was very laid back, down to earth, you know, matter of fact. She'd been property managing in that area for 20 years, selling properties, had her own rental portfolio. And I think she owned 10 or 20 houses herself. And that was what the the kind of the the, the sticking point for me was yep. to go with her. Was I mean, level-headed, not gonna be getting too excited, not gonna tell me what I wanted to hear. I mean, she was like, your rental rates are are fine, but you're not gonna be able to get any more than that. We got to be careful here. And she just steadily kept filling them up you know, Perfect. collecting the money, evicting the people as needed to be. And she, and she, and I gave her a nice little cash bonus when we sold the property to, as a, as a big thank you okay. for helping me turn that thing around. But I do, I have pretty good instincts. I feel like with, with people and finding them and it's important to check out your options, you know, and, and not just take meet the first person. Oh yeah. I like them. It's easy, but to call around. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's another thing I called around about the other guy and I heard some conflicting opinions about the the quality of his management. Gotcha. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna pass on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 very wise. And that's one of the things that I tell people is, you know, like we always say in real estate, trust but verify. So once you make those phone calls and you start hearing those conflicting opinions, and it's like, okay, do I really want to get into this? You know, no, I'd rather not have the hassle. So you debunk two things, raising capital and finding 
property managers because a lot of people always say, well, how can you do it? It's so far away. Who am I going to get to do it? And you just debunk those two. So let's do this. And I would go up there every quarter because it was my first deal. I went up there every quarter to to check on things. Okay. And I really did like, and, and that same thing with Oklahoma, that was a huge deal, 208 units. And somebody from the team was out there every quarter walking the property until we were stabilized. So I do think that it's not that you never have to go there, but yep. the person that's boots on the ground that's running it is really the the, the most important. And that's the property manager. Gotcha. Gotcha. Got- Last question on this one. And then we'll move on here. What about the, did you have much tenant turnover? And then how did you turn, how much repairs that you have to do on the property. Cause I know you mentioned something about the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So the turnover was not too bad. We, and we did essentially raise rents about $80 because okay. we, we, we started billing them for the water and the water in this town. It was really expensive. Believe it or not, it was like 75, 80 bucks per for a one bedroom. And wow. they had this reverse osmosis system. They were trying to pay it off. I think they'd made a bad financial deal, but anyhow, I, I went to the tenants, you know, through the property manager, but said, listen, I like your rent is low. I think the rent was like $425 average. So wow. your rent is low. Like, I don't want to raise your rents, but the property is not like, I'm not breaking even. I right, cannot pay this water. Like we have to all work together. I'm going to do utility bill back. If you guys can conserve water, the, the bill will be lower. If you waste the water, it's going to be higher, but You've got to pay for the water. And I a couple people left over that, but you know, there really isn't much inventory. And that's the thing about buying in a small market. Like I, I would not buy a large complex, but a small complex, nobody's building new in these small mm-hmm. towns, five, ten thousand people. And so if you've got an apartment for four or four hundred bucks a month and it goes to five hundred bucks a month, like you're still not going to find another apartment for right, five hundred bucks right. a month. Yeah, you know, like there's just no inventory there. And so people, I, w- I can't say they liked it, but they didn't leave. Most people did not leave. And then when we would have a vacancy, she would be able to fill it pretty quickly. We were right next to like a hospital and some nurses would take it. Okay. And then on, as far as the maintenance, you know, we were, we were always fixing things There, you know, there was a sink that would back up or a dishwasher would go bad. The, the roof was not leaking and we didn't end up replacing the roof. I think the guy okay. that bought it from me did, but I just pressure washed the exterior and, you know, I fixed some rotten wood. There was some rotten wood on the railings and repainted the railings and floorboards. And then I just kept up the units. Like whenever there was a work request, we fixed it immediately. Perfect. Keep the tenants happy. That's one of the main reasons why people leave is like mm-hmm. they're paying this rent. Their, their dishwasher broken. It hasn't worked. For $500, you could have them a new dishwasher in there. And yet it's been a year and, and they're still washing dishes by hand. They're like, yep. you know what? I'm leaving. You know, that's yep. where... Plus it, it it hurts the value of your, of your building. And so mm-hmm. that was one of the things that my dad told me that the guy that got him in a rentals told him, he's like, if it breaks, fix it. Like yep. if just keep your tenants happy, keep your properties up. If it breaks, you got to fix it. Yeah. Cause your, your tenants are your customers and you want your customer base to be pleased. As long as they're, they're pleased, they're going to look at the cost of moving versus the cost of stand. So they're going to look at, okay, I got to come up with another security deposit. I have to come up with first month's last month's rent plus moving expenses, you know, uprooting the kids or whatever. They're going to look at it as, wow, you know what? I'll pay three, maybe four times as much 
moving versus if I stay. So you landlords out there or you're getting into rentals, just make sure, like Jenny said, just take care of the property and your tenants will definitely take care of you and they'll take care of the property. You know, because one of the worst things to do is have a tenant in a property and they don't notify you when something is damaged or broken. You know, if there's a leak leak up under the, the sink or something like that, and it creates much more of a problem and they will take on the characteristics of that landlord. So if you're not getting out there fixing stuff, they'll see something broken. They'll be like, well, they're not going to fix it anyway. So I'm not going to call them about it. Yeah. Yeah. And. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we're getting into the weeds a little bit. And I, I owned a property management company with my cousin, Yaden. That was the first thing we started before we started buying multifamily together. And so, but but I'll tell you as to your listener base, as you're looking to scale, it's, you got to think who, not how, like who is the person that they know more about property management than I ever going to know. They're the ones that's going to be advising me on these rent matrices and how to mm-hmm. test the market and finding the best people versus like, I've got to be the best property manager. I We sold the property management company because I'm like, there is no money in property management. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's not where the money's made. The money's made in the equity. And yep. so I'm going to become the best at raising money and finding deals. And if I can do that, then I'm going to be very, very wealthy. And those are the things I'm going to find or focus on. And then I'm going to focus on finding the best ancillary support people that got my back, right? You got to trust but verify. But if you find the right people, man, Mm -hmm. they'll take you. So I've got an asset management consultant now and I pay them a percentage of the rents and they overlook all my property managers now. Now I just meet with them once a week and- and my properties are performing better than when I was asset managing. Cause this is like what they eat, sleep, breathe. Like they're, they're digging right. into the analysis. They love this stuff. And I'm like, where's my next deal? You know, and mm-hmm. most, most mm-hmm. of us are kind of wired. Like we want to close the next deal. So, but you got to operate properly because that's where the money's made. So you got to find those right people to support you. There you go. There you go. So Jenny's let's take a brief break here. We're from my sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you scaled, you know, how you started looking at larger properties. And so we'll be right back with Jennings in a moment. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropString provides a deep dive into any property specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20, or even $30,000 courses. 
Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence. I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get a contract from. I don't know how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner, Mike, are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. All right, guys, we are back with Jennings Smith and we're talking about multifamilies and we just debunked quite a few things about getting started as a multifamily investor. And we started on a smaller scale. Now, Jennings, let's talk about how you scaled that up, man. You went from, you know, doing these, these mobile homes to single families to, you know, this 12 unit building, 24 units. Now, what, what are you doing now? Okay. So I've got, you know, I've got the trailers, I got the single family homes. I now closed the 12 unit that more than doubled my portfolio. And I'm starting to see, wow, that like before I had to save up the next $20,000 to do the next deal. I had to wait a year or so to, to get mm-hmm. this money. Now I've just closed the deal where I got the seller financing loan. I raised the money for my down payment. It's making me money every quarter. I I can see like there's really no limit to what I can do as long as I just keep buying good deals and I keep my my reputation intact. Yeah. And so I went to I, I heard about this conference and I heard about a guy who was buying these properties and doing the the kind of Burr model, right? And if you're a single family mm-hmm. investor, you know all about that. Well, you can do yep. the same thing with apartments and you buy basically a heavy value add apartment for 65, 75 cents on the dollar and you you fill it up, you raise rents, you renovate it, you refinance it and you pull all your investors down payments back out. And now you all own the building and you got no money in it. So yep. that was like very intriguing to me at the time. So I go to this conference and it's $5,000 to attend the conference plus flights and hotels. And I really didn't have that much money at the time, but mm-hmm. I went to my cousin we had started this little property management company. We had about a hundred properties that we were managing and on top of being a contractor and everything else. And so <laughs> I'm like, listen, this is our future, man. Like we can do this and we can, he was a residential realtor and I was the contract. I was like, we can get out of this, the rat race of just like killing and eat, trading yep, our time yep. for money. So let's go to this conference. I'm going to go. And so he agreed and he, so he paid for half of it. I paid for half of it. We went up to Cleveland and attended this this conference and really i'll say that the the information that we learned was nothing like groundbreaking that you couldn't find on youtube or whatever and that's where i want to stress information alone is not going to get you to where you want to go true i'll give you a round of applause for that jennings because a lot of people believe well i just need the information that's mm-hmm. not it that's not, it's not it. I know I, I personally built a multifamily course, sold it, and my students didn't get results. So I know that it doesn't, information mm-hmm. is not the, the problem. It's execution. And the only way you execute is if you believe you can do it. And so, so I go to this conference and now I'm seeing people that have done it. I'm also surrounded by other high level people that, that paid the money to come to this conference. And I'm meeting them. And I met a guy who was 
there on a mission. So he had a wealthy kind of benefactor sponsor that had sent him to this conference and looking for partners. And so I meet this guy and he's got something under contract actually in the Charleston area, a big mobile home park. And I said, well, listen, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to work with you. Maybe I'll, I'll go check it out when I get home. Cause he's, he's in Maine. He's not even in South Carolina. So I go down there. I look at this park. I mean, I run the numbers. I get quotes on paving the park and all, all this. I run pro formas and all this stuff because I do know somewhat what I'm doing. Cause I've been studying about two years mm-hmm. and I come to the conclusion that this is a bad deal. You know, like he's got to either retrade for over a million dollars or he needs to walk. And so he, he tries to retrade the seller, the seller walks, deal falls apart. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I missed yeah, my chance yeah. with this guy. <laughs> and he calls me and he says, Jennings, you know, we're not going to do that deal, but I like you. I think like, let's do a deal together. We're going to work together. And I'm like, all right, here's my shot. Yep. And so Yaden and I go out and Yaden finds a unit apartment complex in our town in, in Monk's Corner outside of Charleston. And he brings it to these guys and they're like, oh, we love it. We'll sign the loan. We'll bring the whole down payment. Like, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah, done. that's great. <laughs> so they, we bought that for $750. They brought 250 down. We got a loan. We we worked our plan and we refinanced in 18 months into like Freddie Mac non-recourse 12-year mm-hmm. loan. Got them all their capital back out. So so that turned into a great deal. Next deal, we got a 63 unit for $5 million. So this is a big boy deal. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's in Goose Creek, which is outside of Charleston. And we go to them. And they said, we like the deal. We, we love the deal. We'll sponsor the loan, but we're not bringing the money. You got to bring the money. And I'm like, oh, wow. okay. now the rubber. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and this is where I'm talking about adversity. Because up to this point, like the first 12 unit deal and this 18 unit deal had, had not been so bad, but mm-hmm. this was where the rubber met the road. And so I said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I find a dude that I had actually met at a conference and he says, Hey, I got tons of people with money. I'll raise the money for you. Give me percentage of the deal and I'll raise you a million dollars. You raise the other 200,000. We need 1.2 million. You raise the other 200,000. We're set. I'm like, yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. God got that problem solved. Well, until about two, three weeks before closing, I mean, I'm, I'm calling this guy and he's kind of like getting quieter and quieter and quieter in his Mm. communications Mm-hmm. And finally, he comes clean to me. He's like, Jennings, you know, my investors are mostly like single family guys. They're just not comfortable with apartments. And I've only wow. been able to raise about 200 grand. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> Long ways away from a million, right? So, yeah. So, we yeah, we got 400,000 raised and we need 1.2 million. And uh, so... But right there, I mean, that's where it's like, I could have buried my head. I could have, and I wanted to, I was super stressed out and, Uh and it just seemed insurmountable, especially at the time with the amount of capital that I had raised, which was not very much. It was just like, wow. So, so I called, I called my cousin. I called the other guy that I had met at the conference who was connected with the rich guys. I said, listen, guys, all hands on deck. We got to raise this money. Like we got to try. And because, because. How much did you guys have on the line? Because what was your deposit? 50,000 down. Okay. Yeah. So you would have, you would have lost that 50 grand. 
Yes. And we also had like lending fees, environmental studies, and we would have lost face with, with the sponsor. Like, yeah. it, like wouldn't have been good. Um, yep. I mean, not, not that we couldn't overcome that, but it wouldn't have been good. Not ideal. And so we just start hitting the phones. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like going through my email, through my phone, all my contacts, everybody I know that possibly could have 50 grand to pitch mm-hmm. in. And, and then every yes that we got, you know, you're more encouraged. You're like, yes, I'm getting closer. Like we're going to, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. And we finally, we got to the finish line. We got the deal closed. I mean, we'd barely had any money left in the account when we closed it, but we got <laughs> it done. And part of that loan was a million dollar renovation budget. So we had money to renovate okay. um, in the loan, but but yeah, that and that was like another one of those crucibles that I went through. And when I closed that deal, I mean, I was like bulletproof after yeah, that. I, said, I, I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> I can do it. And then and then we did. It was just like deal after deal after deal after deal. We just knocked them down to where we are now, you know, a thousand apartment units and 500 self-storage units. And, and so it, it just the momentum built. But like I said, you will be tested. If you if you do big things, you're going to be tested. But if you pass those tests, mm-hmm. at least don't stop it. The rewards on the other side are are pretty cool. That's true. That's true. So, guys, you hear from Jennings. He went through some adversity on trying to find, you know, deals and, and taking them down. But you just have to persist. You just have to keep at it and keep going because, on the other side of adversity, you know, there's victory. So now I'm pretty sure, Jennings, you're glad that you went through some of that stuff because now you feel like, hey, you know what? If I need to raise a million bucks, guess what? I did it before I could do it again. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and, and it really is building a life by design versus the life that's handed to you. You know, we we get out of school and we, we buy a car, we got a car payment, you know, we get a, we get an apartment or we buy a house. Now we got a, a rent payment or a loan payment. We get married. We, we have a kid. We got to buy diapers and, and yeah. we slowly get just like shackled to maybe a life or a career that we didn't even want. And now there's a lot of pressure, right? You can't just abandon your responsibilities. You can't just say, well, I don't want to do this anymore. You got to do it. You got to mm-hmm. make X amount of dollars to keep the lights on. And so you have to build a runway to get out. You know, you have to build that ladder to get out of that window of the cell. And, but when you get out and you can escape gravity, because now you have enough passive income every month to cover that bill. And now you can build on your empire, your future. Yeah. And so that is just a, a magical place to be. It's hard to get there. But once you get there, then that fly will start spinning really fast because there's nothing holding you down. Whereas when you're in that cell, it's like every bit of your resources just goes to keep you right there. And you never mm-hmm. go anywhere. You're on the right. hamster wheel. <laughs> you are absolutely right, Jennings. So guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put Jennings on a hot seat. We'll put Jennings on the hot seat. So man, Jennings, a lot of great information here. We could have dug a lot deeper, but we only have so much time, you know, in the episode in order to get it in. So with that being said, Jennings is on the hot seat. So Jennings, starting over, man, what would you do differently? So I was thinking about this the other day. I I used to be really fearful about like what if I lost this job in construction? What if something goes bad? And the cool thing about 
once you unlock some of these tools and you realize you know how to make money, you know how to generate value, the, a lot of that fear goes away. I mean, you see guys all the time, they, you know, they make a million dollars, they go bust, they, they make a million dollars back because they know how to do it. And so if I, I guess the question, if going back, what would I do differently? Um, I would connect with, with mentors faster. You know, like I, I was so stubborn and now, I mean, when I bought that course, that was the first step. When I, when I went to that conference, that was the second step. Now I'm in a mastermind that's $50,000 a year just to, to be in this group. But those guys have connected me with millions of dollars worth of revenue, yeah. but it was scary to do that. But I've seen every time that I've invested in my future and myself and put that pressure on myself to, to perform, I've done well. And, but for so many years I lived on an Island, I can figure this out myself. I don't need any help. I got this and huge mistake. I mean, I, I wasted, geez, probably over a decade doing that. Yep. Yep. And it, and there's a lot of people out there that say, you know what? I'm resourceful. I can figure it out on my own. I can do it. Let's just get out of my way and let me do it. But it's a team sport. Real estate and life is a team sport. So you guys got to get out there, find your other teammates. That's going to help you build that life along the way. So Jennings, I see your, you got your library behind you. Give us a great book recommendation, man. You know, in the, in the theme of this podcast, I'm going to have to recommend who, not how, where <laughs> you're, you're, how do I do this is the wrong question. If you really want to scale and you want to do big things versus who do I know, or who can I know, or who, who can help me achieve this goal? Like, let's say, how do I get a $5 million loan uh, to buy a, a big apartment complex? Well, you got to have net worth this much. You got to have liquidity this way, all this. Who cares? You don't have that. This mm-hmm. is asking who, if, if they were on my team, would make getting a $5 million loan, no problem. It would be easy. All the chains and shackles and all the barriers would just fall away. Right. And mm-hmm. how do how do I make that happen? How do I make that relationship with the who happen versus like, the how will happen. If you build enough, big enough portfolio, you'll be getting those loans on your own at some point. But if you understand the the who, and the same way with, with capital raising, like you don't want to raise capital. Okay, fine. Who can raise capital for me? Right, who's really, right. who's already plugged into that? Who can I build a relationship with that makes that, that will just disappear? There you go. There you go. All right, Jennings, tell us, man, about your, my first million in multifamily group. So my first million in multifamily was a group that I started just to, to get the word out, to try and maybe raise some money or find some deal flow. And it kind of took off. We've got 25,000 people in there now, and it turned into a platform to really help people get into the game and, and do this on their own. So when people join the Facebook group, you know, we give them, I give them the pitch deck on how I close that 12 unit. I give them the exact, you know, the deal calculators that I use to analyze multifamily deals. I give them like a little sample deal package of, of how to present to investors. And in just giving and giving, we do a weekly show, My First Million in Multifamily. And that has allowed me to create like a coaching program, the deal room around that. So people okay. that are that are serious, that want to buy their first apartment complex, um, you maybe they got a couple of rental homes or they're a wholesaler and they want to get the monthly recurring income. Mm-hmm. We have the deal room, which is where I put my my sponsors, my loan sponsors, my investors, my network, 
because that's the key, right? We talked about information is not the key. Behavior modification and getting plugged into the right networks, that's what makes deals happen, especially on these higher levels. Yep. Yep. Okay. So wrapping up here, Jennings, man, thank you so much for being a guest on the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Before we sign off here, how can we find you? How can we get in contact with you? The best way is just go to my name, Jennings Smith, Jr. like JenningsSmithJr.com. You can join the Facebook group right there. You can look at the deal room right there. My podcast is there. Everything about me, JenningsSmithJr.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jennings. We'll definitely be in contact. We really appreciate all the content and the information that you shared on today. And guys, you get, you already know what to do. You know how to find Jennings. If you want additional information about multifamilies, I'm not the guy. Jennings is the guy. So reach out to him and I'm <laughs> sure he'll lead you in the right direction. Marcus, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jennings. And you guys get out there and take massive action. All right, guys, just to close, that was Jennings Smith. Very, very educational, very, very informational when it comes to multifamily. I love how he started. He did not start with a million bucks in the bank. He did not start with, you know, rich family members. He started one door at a time, started with the trailer and moved his way up from there. So guys, if that's something that you're definitely interested in, reach out to Jennings. But if you're interested in just getting that first deal and you haven't done that first deal, reach out to me. We know, you know, we have the 15 minute free consultation. You can jump on the phone with me. I love talking with you guys, but again, I only have 15 minutes in order to do it to make sure that I still stay on task with what I need to do. We have some very, very special things that's going to be happening in January. We have our build your wholesale business step-by-step that we're going to be doing. I'm doing this in conjunction with the largest RIA in the country as RIA right here in Phoenix. Me and my partner, Mike, will be hosting that class. We have tons of information about it in the show notes and in the the links below. And then also, 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 don't forget, you know, we have the Deal Finders Club. We have our, our deal finders, our partners, they're out there, they're finding deals, they're closing deals. So if you're if you, you're tired of trying to do this on your own, you're tired of trying to figure it out on your own, why don't you become on, come on and become a member of the Deal Finders Club? We have very great specials that's coming up that's going to be going on through the month of January. Remember, just go to azdfc.com where all the information is there. You get two mentors plus over 30 hours of online education. We meet weekly for three months. So by the time that you're done, you will know everything that you need to know in order to close that, that deal. And guess what? The Once you're a member, you have life lifetime access to me, to my partner. So if you need a deal review, you need us to try and help you talk with the seller in order to close a deal, we present that option to you. So go to AZDFC. If you want additional information, go to MarcusEMaloney.com. We'd love to see you become a deal finder or start just by becoming, just by attending the wholesale, uh, build your wholesale business step-by-step. I believe the registration fee is only like 179 bucks and we'll be streaming that 
everywhere in the country. So make sure you reach out to me if you have any questions. All right, guys, enjoy your day. Enjoy your evening. Love that you're here with me. I appreciate the opportunity to bring very special guests before you so you can continue on your educational journey of becoming a real estate investor. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.